podcast land. You're set your dial once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 58, where today going 10 rounds with Rhino is Invicta Bantamweight, fearless Monica Franco. She was so cool and so fun to talk to. I can't wait for you guys to check that out a little bit later. So our schedule for today is going to be, we're going to have our full breakdown. Thank the MMA gods that the fights are back. We have our full breakdown of Fight Island 7, uh, main card picks for Fight Island 8, and and UFC 257 because we have the rare opportunity to have a Wednesday card this week, uh, a fire Q&A with some members of the Rhino gang. And then, like I said, the aforementioned undefeated Invicta Bantamweight, fearless Monica Franco, all the way from Hawaii, goes 10 rounds with Rhino, and it's super awesome. You guys, I can't wait for you guys to check that out. So let's get our swim trucks and our flipping floppies on and dive right in. UFC Fight Island 7. Our prelims started out with a Rhino gang member from just a couple weeks ago, Austin Lights Out Lingo, Rhino Gang, 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 all day. Austin Lingo came out and had a great performance. He dropped Jacob Kilburn early, uh, dominated the first round. Jacob, you know, gamely came back a little bit in the second, got a couple takedowns, some more grappling and clinch work in round two, but I still gave it to Austin, even though it was closer, and it was all Austin Lingo again in the third. Big unanimous decision uh, coming off of his first loss ever uh, in the featherweight division for Austin Lingo over Jacob Kilburn. Can't wait to see what's next for him uh, with his career. We talk about that a little bit later in the round. Gang uh, Q and A section. So then we had Vanessa Mello versus Sarah Mora Morias. And uh, this one was not the most exciting fight in the world, dude. Uh, Sarah did a lot of the kiosks. And so there was a lot of noise being made, but apparently at some point in the broadcast, they mentioned that she had missed over 250 strikes, which I have never heard of or seen before. Uh, Vanessa Mello landed a little bit more. She blooded up Sarah's nose, landed a little bit more. What, like I said, not the most exciting fight in the world. So Vanessa Mello got the unanimous decision. She clearly won the first and the second. I gave the third to Sarah, but still a clear win for Vanessa. So moving into the 175, I'm sorry, 170 pound division, we had David Zawada versus Ramazan. Emiev, and this one was a close fight. It was a good fight. Uh, early takedown for Emiev. Early, uh, Zawada was able to get back up. Some clinch work. It was a, definitely a fun back and forth fight. Some beautiful leg kicks from Zawada on uh, Ramazan. But in the end, it came out to a split decision for Ramazan Emiev over David Zawada. But it was a good fight. I expect to see both guys back. Uh, next time around, I don't know, maybe a few months from now. Uh, both of them really had a good performance, so I'm looking forward to seeing either one of them next. Then moving into one of my favorite fights of the evening, Justin Taffa versus Carlos Felipe. Everybody knows I'm a heavyweight stand. I love heavyweight division. I, you know, I know people talk a lot of shit, but this one was nobody could talk shit about this one. This was so fun. Two big old hog mollies in there, just throwing leather, cracking the shit out of each other. I actually picked Carlos to win, but I would have given it to had I been a judge. I would have been given it to Tafa. I thought Tafa won the won the first round and the third round. Second round was clearly Carlos, but man, beautiful punch combos. Once Carlos straightened him out from being really wide and loopy, it got a lot better for him but man what a fun back and forth fight that one was everybody was loving it great job by both of those guys uh moving into the 125 pound we had uh uh, Yanan Wu versus Jocelyn Edwards. This one was a pretty fun fight. Jocelyn was clearly the better striker. Wu did a good job as well. Uh, the highlight was definitely when uh, Jocelyn went to her back and Wu was coming over to, I think, to get on her for ground and pound. And Jocelyn threw like a double up kick, almost like a almost like a pro wrestling drop kick, but from her back and shot Wu back into the cage, which was awesome. Uh, Jocelyn got the clear unanimous decision in that one in the 125 pound division. That was the uh, end of our uh, prelims. So we'll move into the main card. We had Dusko Todorovic versus 
Oh boy. Uh, we're just going to call him Soriano. Soriano, man, what a beautiful fucking job. Todorovic came in with all of the hype, dude, everything behind him. Both were undefeated fighters. And wow, Soriano didn't give a shit. He landed some beautiful shots, especially left, uh, left straights, dropped him three times in the first round, got the first round TKO. Huge win. I'm going to say Punahili. Soriano, I think I'm saying that right, but great win for him. Really exciting. I think Todorovic will be back. Both top tier 185ers, very young in their career. Really looking forward to what's next. Uh, then moving into Mr. Highlight Reel of 2020, Joaquin Buckley versus Alessio DiCirico. And wow, DiCirico turned the tables in this one, right? Joaquin, known for all of his Highlight Reel KOs coming off of two highlight real KOs. Alessio didn't give a fuck. Beautiful high kick cracks Joaquin in the head, puts him down. DeChirico ends up a little bit more ground and pound, but it was unnecessary. The ref pulls him off. That was the end of that first round KO. Alessio DeChirico against Joaquin Buckley. Wow, what a fucking finish that was. Uh, unfortunately, Drea is sick this week. So if Drea was here, I think that would be a high contender for Drea's drop of the night. Uh, also, in that same vein, would have been our next fight with Jin Li, Jin Liang versus Santiago Ponsonibio at 170. Santiago coming off of a long layoff. Uh, Jin Liang Lee. We, has been active. He's a very tough fighter. Uh, these guys were going at it back and forth, leg kicks, nice fucking punch exchanges, and then boom, at 425 into the first round, Jing Liang Li, the leech, a left hook from hell, hits Santiago right of the jaw, puts him down, finishes him off. What a win for Jing Liang Li. He was definitely the underdog in this one. Ponsonibu had a huge win streak uh, going into his uh, long hiatus because he had a lot of injuries, and I think they said he had a bone infection for us. He was off for a while. But, dude, Jing Liang, the least lead boy, he fucking threw that left hook. Bad intentions. Hit Ponsonibu on the chin. Nobody could have taken that. So, great win for Lee, the leech. Uh, moving into our co-main, which was Carlos Condit versus Matt Brown. You want to talk about two OGs? of badassery. You're talking about these two guys. Carlos Condit has been around forever since the WEC days. Matt Brown, also long, long, long time veteran. Uh, both guys are around 40 years old. Both guys have had a ton of experience. And the first round, I don't know. So I'm just going to preface this by saying the first round was bullshit. <laughs> okay. Matt Brown got a body lock takedown, spent almost the entire first round on top of Carlos. He landed a little bit of GMP, nothing, nothing major. And then in the second two rounds, it was all Carlos Condit, dude. It was, uh, he had a beautiful sweep takedown, some beautiful kicks, punches, everything. So clearly Carlos won the fight unanimous decision. He won the second and the third. Some, the judges gave him the first round, which is complete bullshit. It's bullshit on Matt Brown, but it is what it is. The right guy won at the end of the day. Carlos Condit, big win for uh, the natural born killer. Outlanded, outlanded Matt, uh, 88 to 36 in strikes. Clear cut win. But again, the, the highlight for me was that interesting sweep takedown scissor deal that he did. <laughs> that was fucking badass. So Carlos Condit still has more left in the tank at 170, and I look forward to seeing what's next for him. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we're going to move into our main event. Here's the thing about Max Holloway, dude. Max Holloway put on a performance. He's been fighting for like nine years in the UFC. Started when he was 20. He's 29 now. Max Holloway put on the performance of his whole career last night. I don't know if anybody can say anything different and really have some validity behind it because from bell to bell, Max Holloway beat Calvin Cater from pillar to post. Punches, elbows, spinning back kicks, 
everything he threw landed. He landed nearly 300 strikes for the five-round fight to Calvin's 100, about 100. Uh, it was clear-cut domination from start to finish. Max Holloway put on a performance for the ages. He really needed to. He lost three of his last four. Calvin Cater is a good fighter. I know a lot of people aren't going to give him his proper due after his performance last night, but it really wasn't about him. It was about Max. Maxi Baby, the Blessed Express, did... Uh, not just a throwback, but like a complete improvement in his stand-up game, which was already really top-notch. He added more tools to the fucking arsenal. What an incredible performance. Start to finish, Max Holloway. Huge win, unanimous decision. And shout-out to Calvin for even being able to take all those shots. I don't know if I was his corner, if I would have let him go back, but that's a different story for another time. So big win for Max Holloway. Fantastic performance. Calvin Cater, I still think he... Um, should stay in the top, you know, five, six, seven, somewhere in there. Cause my God, what a tough kid, dude. So great performance from Max Holloway again. So that was our recap of UFC fight night, fight Island seven Holloway versus cater. So like I said, unfortunately, Dre is sick this week. So no Dre is drop of the night, but I am going to fill in with our, um, picks of the main card for fight Island eight, which will be this Wednesday. So I've got, uh, Andrade over Murphy. Nam over Schnell, Roxanne the Happy Warrior Montefiore over Vivian Arujo. I've got Murrieta or Murrieta over Villanueva. I've got Lazius over Allures. I'm sorry, over Alves. And then I've got uh, Michael Chiesa beating Neil Magny in the main event by unanimous decision. So that's the picks, main card picks for Fight Island 8 from the old Rhino. Moving into the following Saturday's pay-per-view, UFC 257. I've got Rodriguez going to beat Rebus. I've got Azatar over Frivola. I got Jojo Calderwood over Jessica I. Oh, gosh. I hope Jojo beats her ass. <laughs> then we got, uh, I've got Dan Hooker over Michael Chandler in Chandler's UFC debut. Uh, I think that's going to be a, a really good fight, actually. I think it's going to be fun to watch, but I think Hooker's going to be too much for him. And then moving into the main event that everyone's going to be talking about for the remaining week, uh, it's... For me, obviously, it's Hart, Dustin Poirier, head, Conor McGregor. I think Conor will be able to get a hold of Dustin with some of that beautiful uh, straight punching that he has and his distance. So I'm going to go uh, probably third round TKO for uh, third round TKO for for Connor, but I'm hoping that Dustin somehow pulls it out and extends the fight because I think the longer it goes, the more beneficial it is for Dustin. So those are my picks for uh, UFC Fight Island 8 and UFC 257, the pay-per-view. So D-Rain, let's go ahead and get into our Twitter questions, which I know my first one comes from the dear homie from over in Sweden, Brat. Uh, Brat, what do you have for us this week? Let me go ahead and pull that up. See, it's not easy doing this by myself. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and get that pulled up. So Brat asks us, or me, I should say for this instance, um, Ortega and Volk have just been booked. How do I feel about Ortega's chances in that one? So for me, T-City versus Volkanovski is kind of an old school scouting report. <clears throat> Obviously, T-City has improved his striking, but if it stays up on the feet, I got to lean towards Volk. I think Volk's a better striker. I think he's a stronger striker. Um, and pretty much every area I give Volk on the feet for all the, for especially in, in like the 
uh, in the pocket exchanges, Volk is just a stronger striker than Brian. Dude, that's just that's facts. But moving into if, if Brian can somehow get it to the ground and he works his chain submissions and his grappling and his incredible jujitsu, I don't see Volk getting out of too many of those, dude. So if it goes to the ground, I give TCD the advantage. I think we may see a new champ at 145. I think it's going to stay on the feed, though, and I give Volkanovski the huge advantage uh, in the striking game versus T-City. So that's my take on that one. Thank you so much, Brett. Uh, I know our next one comes from the homie Rage Sweet Potato. <clears throat> and what if you want the... Oh, gosh. Oh, there it is. Okay. So Rage Sweet Potato asks us this. The UFC made a strong return last night with the first event of 2021 after a three-week hiatus. For the first time in more than 20 years, the USC commentary did not do a show opener when the main card went live on ABC. Bruce Buffer was viciously attacked by a fly during his intro for Zawad and Emiev. And in the main event, Holloway put on the performance of a lifetime. So our question, his question for me is this. Which fly would I rather be? The one on the wall while Dana White was ripping the... <laughs> <laughs> Dana White was ripping the UFC staff for not doing an opener of the first UFC on ABC card, the fly on the wall in Max's locker room after the fight, or the fly in Bruce Buffer's face during the intros. So, Ray's people too, that's very funny. I love this question. It's uh, obscure off the wall and to the side, and I love it. Um, I would definitely want to be the fly on the wall in the post-fight celebration of Maxi Baby, dude. I think, how much fun would that be? You know, what a relief coming off of, like I said earlier, he lost three or four. All the pressure was on him. You know, it's it's so hard to train during this pandemic and everything's just been crazy and different and weird. Putting all that aside and being able to perform the way that he did against a very good fighter in Calvin, I would love to have been a fly on the wall and see the relief and the joy and the celebration, not just with Max, but his team and his family and all his friends. I think it would just been awesome. And I bet you it carried over into the hotel later that night. It was a big to do, man. That would have been so much cool to see. And uh, yeah, definitely my answer on that one is the fly on the wall and the maxi baby bless express celebration of that victory. So RSP, thank you so much for that question, my dude. I hope everything's going coolio up in Canada. Alrighty. So D reigns, that is the extent of our write-ins. We got lots of voice questions. So why don't we go ahead and dive right into those? Our first voice question comes from my dear homie Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram, the Einstein of Graphic Design. Dave, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, what's up, Rhino? This is Dave Fretz at Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. Just sitting here watching Judah play UFC 3, all ramped up after the fights. Uh, as I think pretty much everybody is ramped up after those fights, especially that main event. Wow. Uh, Max Holloway looked so good. It was unbelievable. Honestly, I can't see Volkanovsky beating a Max Holloway that looks like that. Uh, I know MMA math doesn't work, but man, that's, uh, that was an unbelievable performance. Just insane. He looks so loose, so good right from the get-go. Uh, what was the biggest difference for you in his game this time versus last time? Uh, I couldn't believe sort of the variety of strikes, some of the kicks and things he was throwing. I, I just, I don't remember that before. His boxing has always been amazing, but that was unreal. Get at me. I think Max employing different techniques, the spinning back kick, the inside elbows, etc., was because not only did he know that having this kind of not so good run as of late in the UFC, he needed to make some changes, but 
he upgraded the arsenal because I think he was having so much success against Calvin. Okay. When you are in a fight and everything is working, your confidence just swells by the second. I think his confidence got to a point where he was like, I have, I could do no wrong. Everything I'm doing in the cage is working. So let's throw a few more techniques and a, th a few more things at him. See if it lands. And if it doesn't, I'm not worried about if it doesn't work out because the other things that I'm doing are working really, really well. So I think he knew that he could implement some different things without there being any sort of consequence last night. So that to me is why, you know, he threw some of those different things out there and man, it really worked. So big, big fucking win for Holloway. Again, it was so awesome. So thank you so much, Dave. If you guys haven't already, absolutely check out Dave Fretz on Twitter and Instagram. His graphic design is incredible. Second to none. Best of the best. Unbelievable. So thank you so much, Dave. I know our next one comes from my homie Kairos from the Shots Fired Pod and his amazing YouTube channel. Kairos, my fellow Michiganiac, what do you got for us this week, my dude? What's going on, Rhino? What's going on, Drea? Now, I have been saying that featherweight is the most stacked division in the UFC, and I stand by that. I will defend that to the death. What anybody else says doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's the most stacked division. Who do you think are some people who are positioned to end up ranked in the top 15 who might not be ranked currently and people who are currently ranked who are going to make noise at featherweight as well? And if you have any matchups that are coming up too that might be really great to watch, please shout them out to me as well. Thank you so much. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Well, as far as outside the top 15 right now, that one's easy. I think, I think Austin Lingo lights out. He's on his way, dude. He That kid has all the tools you need to make a run in the very deep, very shark-infested 145-pound division. I really, really high on uh, Austin Lingo because not only did I have him on my show, but when I do that, I research them, right? So I watch a bunch of his fights. Uh, yeah, I really think Austin Lingo could be a really good uh, fighter after the next few more fights where he kind of ascends the level. Uh, who in the top 15 currently that I see making a big jump? That's my man, Super Sadiq Youssef. I love his power. I love his great. I love his confidence. I love the way that when he's in the cage, he seems like he is the boss, dude. I love Super Sadiq Yosef. So I hope to see him get a few more shots in 2021 and really climb the ladder at 145. I love Super Sadiq. Alrighty, and then the uh, other part of your question was, what's uh, what's a featherweight matchup that I think is really important that's gonna you know uh, help things along and that's already on the books? I think a very important featherweight bout that's already on the books is for um, the 13th of March, and that is um, that is Ryan Hall versus Dan 50K Ige. You have got a phenomenal jujitsu fighter in Ryan Hall. A lot of people avoid Ryan Hall, right? He is a very difficult puzzle to solve. Then you got a striker like Dan 50K Ige, who just loves to bang, bro. Let me fucking throw all the leather, all the kicks, all the punches, all the elbows I can. I think it's a really interesting matchup. If if It's one of those deals where if Ryan Hall can get through him, you're going to have to push him a lot further up because the dude just keeps winning. And then if Ige gets the win, I think Ryan Hall is going to have to you know, climb down the ladder a little bit, dude. Seriously. It's like, a, it's, it's almost more important for Ryan Hall to, uh, to win and put on a good performance than it is for EA. Cause EA is a great fighter and he's exciting as fuck. Some people talk shit about Ryan Hall because he's really rudimentary on the feet, but phenomenal jujitsu. So again, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one March 13th. So those are my answers on that one. Kairos. Thank you so much for calling in my friend. Alrighty, our third question comes from our girl, Sin City Sarah. Sin City Sarah, what do you got for us this week, my friend? Hello, Rhino and friends. It is me, Sin City Sarah. Happy fight day, everybody. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did. It truly feels so good just to be back to the fights 
and to get 2021 kicked off. Rhino, my question for you this week, after hearing Sarah Marais fight today and hearing her scream in the octagon during the whole fight, it made me curious, what are your thoughts and opinions on that? I know that Holly is known for it. Caitlin is known for it. It's not very uncommon, but I'm just curious what your thoughts and opinions are. You're somebody who's been in the ring. You've been face-to-face with an opponent before. Do you see any positives to it? Is it is it helpful at all? Let me know. Love you all, and I hope you have a wonderful week. No, Sarah, I don't think it has a really any effect on anything, you know, all the noise that, that she was making and that other fighters do that sometimes. I think I think that how that came about or where it derives from is I think for some particular fighters, they feel it makes them feel comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. Fighting is uncomfortable, dude. When you are across the cage or the ring from somebody else and they're trying to hurt you, you're not, you know, you could try to relax, but you're not relaxed, right? So I think it's like a coping mechanism for some fighters. Now in boxing, you'll hear a lot where we go, and that is what a lot of us are taught when we are training, which is you breathe in and then you breathe, you exhale on the punch. So you're getting short bursts of oxygen. So you're trying to oxygenate your blood, get more oxygen in your body. So it's kind of breathe in and then. So that's something that we do in boxing. The the kios, if you will, that we you know we've seen in traditional martial arts, and and now we see sometimes. You have some great examples of it in the UFC. I don't think it does anything but give comfort and is a coping mechanism for the fighters who do it. I don't see any judges being swayed by that anymore. I mean, maybe, maybe early on, you know, but no, I don't think he does anything, but just kind of give that fighter some sense that they are making some things happen, which maybe they are, or maybe they aren't. I know that Sarah last night, fuck it. <laughs> I have a hard time saying they had over 250 missed strikes and she was key on the entire time. So obviously it had no effect on the accuracy of her strikes. I don't get it, but Hey, if that's what they need to do, and if they're if they're actually landing, I don't have a major problem with it. But yeah, once again, just to answer, I think it's a coping mechanism for the stress of an uncomfortable situation. So, thank you so much, Sin City Sarah. If you guys haven't already, check out Sin City Sarah's YouTube. It is so funny. She is hilarious. Love her. Uh, thank you so much, Sarah. Alrighty, moving into our next voice question, we've got Gina from the Wocast Shots Fire. Gina, what do you got for us this week? Hey, Rhino, it's uh, Just Gina MMA. Gina, I'm back on your show asking questions. I'm back, baby. Real quick question. Max Holloway no longer spars, and you are a former boxer. What do you think of this new technique of not sparring? And do you think other fighters should follow suit and not spar before fights? Because Max looks absolutely awesome. But bring your boxer experience into this. What do you think of not sparring before fights? And share your thoughts. Share your thoughts, please. Oh, this is a great question. So, okay. I've talked about this a little bit on the show before. The difference between sparring for real and then technique sparring. They're two very different things, right? I think in your AMI career and at least the first 20 or so pro fights in any combat sport, real full bore sparring, which should be about 75 to 80% live is critical for your development as a fighter. That's how you take care of your timing, your distance, working on different techniques, taking the pain of fighting, right? That can only be somewhat replicated from difference from a fight fight 
too hard sparring. That's the only way you can kind of replicate that. You need your teammates to push you. You need to have that for a long time in order to develop um, what you're going to fight like inside the actual cage or ring on fight night. As far as once you've already had a pretty long career in the pros where you kind of, you know, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. If you switch over to more technique sparring, which is literally like you're tapping each other, right? Tapping with the kicks, tapping with the punches. Um, and you're just working on techniques and footwork and stuff like that. I think that's sufficient before a, before a fight. It's also so much better for your body, right? You're, you're not taking the unnecessary strikes. You're not taking the unnecessary wear and tear on the body as getting to be an older fighter. And one thing is this too, is that when you are sparring through all those, you're taking a lot more punishment than you do in a fight, right? Because you spar, some of us spar two, three, four times a week for years, you're taking a whole lot more wear and tear than you are, you know, you know, fighting two or three times a year for however many minutes. So, yeah, I think it's fine later in your career to just kind of almost completely stamp out hard sparring. But you really need it for your AME and your first half, at least, of your pro career to get all those things, you know, tuned into place. So thank you very, very much, Gene. I'm so glad to have you back on the show, my dear. I missed your voice. Uh, great question. And already, of course, Guys, check out Gina on the Shots Fired and Wocast. She is amazing. So thank you so much, Gina. Already, D Reigns. I know our last one comes from my homie D Crons. D Crons, what do you got for us this week, my dude? Hey, Rhino, what's going on, brother? That was an amazing card last night. God damn, that was fucking fun. Uh, Felipe versus Taffa. I love seeing a heavyweight fight like that. Those boys were cracking. That was so, so fun to watch. Uh, I just wanted to know, though, um, Ponzi versus the Leech. Was the Leech just that good, do you think? Or was it, uh, on Ponzi's side, was it health issues, ring rust, or was it all just a Ponzi scheme from the beginning? Um, I love the respect to Leech after he cracked him. That's beautiful. I love to see that in this sport. That That's good shit right there. Um, Max looked amazing. An even better version of Max after he beat Volkanovski in the rematch. That's right. I said it. <laughs> I love you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. Uh, Rhino gang. Yeah, uh, D, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the time off had really anything to do with what happened. I mean, you could make a case of, oh, his rust, you know, the rust maybe had his timing off or he wasn't ready to slip the punch or whatever. I'm not sure if that's true. I don't think he saw it. I think he was going in offensively and the leech just came over with a beautiful swinging, you know, steel left hook, hit him right on the jaw. Ponzi went down. I don't think anything would have uh, changed that. I really don't. Um, of course, it sucks to be off for that long. And yes, I do believe in some bring rust to a degree. But again, I think last night that punch lands on anybody at any time, no matter how <laughs> ready you were, you're going down, and you're losing the fight. But uh, part two is yes. I loved that <laughs> fight from last night too, bro. I, I don't mind that they're uh, jiggly-bellied fellas. They really put on a great performance. I loved all the cracks and the fucking punches. I loved how that uh, John and DC and Dan were loving it too. Man, that was a good time. So, d -Crons, thank you so much, my brother. You're a great support of the show, and we love you too, my man. All righty, so before we get into our 10 rounds with Monica Franco, here's a quick word from our sponsor. Hey, Rhino Gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? We'll look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. 
You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. All right, everybody out there in podcast lane, we've got ourselves a very special treat going 10 rounds of Rhino today. Invicta Bantamweight, fearless, Monica Franco. Monica, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Thank you so much for having me. This is pretty uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad to have you on. This is too cool. Absolutely. Um, and I've said it before, and I've had a few Invicta fighters on. I just, I don't think, and I know, you know, you could jump from promotion to promotion as you see fit, but I still, I know your last fight was in Invicta, and I think Invicta fighters absolutely need more shine than they get. So I'm really glad to have somebody who uh, has fought for Invicta. So, Monica, let's go ahead and dive right in. Our first question, our first round of 10 Rounds of Rhino is always the same. We love to know the backstory. How did you get involved in this crazy world of MMA that we are now into these days? Well, uh, so I started off in Taekwondo originally many, many years ago, probably when I was like 15. And uh, I had dreams and aspirations of actually trying to go to the Olympics, you know, for Taekwondo and try and get like medals and stuff in there. Uh, but, you know, life happens and I got a few injuries along the way and for whatever reason thought my life was over <laughs> in general because I was younger. I'm like, oh my gosh, I had an injury. Like this is, like, I can't do this anymore, you know. Sure. You know, see me, but you know, you live, you learn. Anyways, along that journey, got back into it um and then i actually saw gina carano and tanya evander fight in elite xc down here at the blaisdell arena and that ignited my my interest into the world of mma so to speak so i always did you know i was like a traditional martial art artist and i had dabbled in you know a little bit of boxing where i grew up down in wainai you know they had the wainai boxing gym so i dabbled in boxing a little bit not sparring or anything but just you know training mid work all that stuff and then actually the the taekwondo gym that i was a part of they had like this women's kickboxing program so you know i had done like striking you know and then yeah so yeah that eventually led to where i am in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's fantastic, dude. So uh, Alaska and Hawaii, uh, Monica, are the only two states I've ever, I've actually never been to. Uh, I've been oh. all over Europe. I've been to every state in the continent of the United States. Wow. Never been to your beautiful home state of, of Hawaii. So when you were growing up there, what were some of the things that you liked to do? I mean, were you in other sports? Were you, you know, what, what were some of the things you liked to do growing up in the beautiful state of Hawaii? 
Uh, primarily, I just did a lot of like hanging out with my Ohana. Uh, I wish I had done more sports in high school, but I was kind of like this shy, dorky, fat kid. So I never, <laughs> you know, I never, um, I never had the confidence, I guess you could say to like, you know, just go out there and try, you know, I, I grew up with this sense of like, Oh, what if I do this? You know, I'm going to look stupid. You know, you have that mentality sure. younger. Sure. You but yeah, so I, I mean, I did like street stuff, like street football with my neighborhood friends and my cousins and street basketball, you know, maybe I did some AYSO soccer down here, which is like organized soccer, but not like super, you know, high level competitive kind. And, but other than that, just spend time with my Ohana and my friends. And I mean, I didn't really go to the beach either. So I don't know. Yeah, just just normal stuff. <laughs> sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, Something we don't see very often in MMA, especially in the pro ranks, is there was nearly a five-year gap between your pro debut and your last right. fight for Invicta, which was in February of last year. Uh, were you right. able to train? Were you able to train during that five years between fights? Or was that kind of time you took to yourself? What was what was the deal with uh, that five-year gap? Actually, yeah, I, I was training, but I was also going through a lot of personal things such as, you know, dealing with substance abuse. I spoke with TJ about this because he had done, he I guess he interviewed the girls in Invicta and stuff and he was asking me the same question. So I was dealing with some substance abuse problems that I had to, you know, go through as well. But I was still training. It's not like I was completely out of the loop. You know, I was still training but going through my own battles, going through my own journey. And, um, you know, uh, that was what was happening there. And uh, with a lot of hard work and a lot of therapy, you know, I'm in a much better place now. I've been sober for like th going on three years. So, yeah, just a lot of personal things. And, I mean, everything happens for a reason. You know, God makes us go through things for a reason. And Sure. I I just had to, you know, do a lot of self-reflection and work on my inner self to get to where I am today. And I and I still got to work. You know, it's an everyday thing. So it's like, yeah, that's what was happening there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm, I really appreciate you uh, being open enough and forthright enough to share that with us because, you know, there's going to be people here who are going through that very same thing. And, you know, right. we, we we find inspiration in all kinds of parts of this world. So I uh, thank you very much for sharing that with us. That was, that's super awesome. We're so glad that you are on the other side of this. I know it's an everyday struggle, but uh, look where you're at right now. Look what you're doing. We're just uh, what an amazing what an amazing feat. So thank you for sharing yeah. that with us um, yeah. for fans that have not seen you fight because, uh, you know, I in researching you, I watched. I watched your Victor fight and uh, and your pro debut. So for fans who have not seen you fight, how would you describe your fight style to someone who has not seen fearless Monica Franco as of yet? Uh, I mean, I feel like I'm an exciting fighter, uh, somebody who's willing to go in there and make adjustments where you need to make adjustments. I mean, people know me as a striker. I do, I do love to keep it standing. But I'm not afraid if, you know, it goes the other way, too. That's what MMA is about making the adjustments, about, you know, learning different things. So I feel like I'm a, I'm a very well-rounded fighter with a great stand-up game. And if you are fighting me at my at my best, then it's going to be hard to beat me. You know, it's just, it's just as simple as that. But um, I, I bring it, you know, I'll bring it. And what you'll get from me is heart. 
you'll get strategy, you'll get, um, you know, the the round to round adjustments because you know as an opponent you can tra- you can train you know for your opponent but when as you know because you've done it when you go in there you got to make adjustments you know, 100%. You gotta be for everything. so yeah that's what you'll get from me i don't know <laughs> i definitely i could definitely co-sign and verify that that's true and so the, a couple of the words i wrote down to describe you in your fight style were uh, cerebral which meant, you know, obviously yeah. that you're you're clearly you are clearly making the right moves and you are clearly seeing a step or two ahead. It seems like for your opponent. And then I also wrote aggressive because I like your your constant pressure and I was very impressed with your aggression and your ability to maintain aggression as well. It was very very impressive. So I absolutely co-sign on what you said about yourself uh, and verify cool. that for sure. Oh, absolutely. Uh, So can you, okay. So you, again, this is, this is one of these like kind of love letters. Cause when I talk to somebody from somewhere that I've never been to, I want to hear all about it. Right. So I've never been to Hawaii, but I've seen, we've seen all of us where MMA fans have seen such a rich talent pool of fighters over the years come through. I mean, you want to talk about BJ and Kendall Grove and Yancey and obviously Max and Alimale who have been champions as of late. Um, I know with the coronavirus, the the local shows are not going on right now. But in the last few years, because of Max and because of Alimale, have you seen kind of an ups, an uptick in participation in MMA around the area or not so much? Oh, yeah, I do. I, I do feel like they – and then, I mean, you got people too like Angela Lee who fights for 1FC and stuff like that. But, yeah, I do, I do feel like there is – an uptick or an uprise they call you say because of the success that you know these guys have had but i mean at the same time i i just feel like it's just they we've always been here it's just now because of these guys you, you kind of get more of the attention from the islands and stuff like that because there's a there's a really good group of talented fighters you know down here and I just think it's that moment now where they're getting that the you know the the shine that they sure. deserve. Sure. Yeah, I think it's so. I guess in answer to your question, I feel like it's always been, you know, like that, but it's just now it's being brought to the attention. Sure, there's more eyes on it now because of Correct. the because of the the highest end people are kind of. Uh, bringing more attention to it. Now, I remember, this is funny, I, I, don't want, I don't want to call my boy out, but I remember, I think it was 2010 or 2011, uh, my buddy from here in Michigan, where I'm from, another pro fighter, he went over to Hawaii. I, I believe the promotion was called Rumble on the Rock. Am I correct in that? Okay. Yeah, 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 okay. you are. So he went to fight Rumble on the Rock, and my dude, he was like me, kind of a mid-level pro, right? He went over to fight fucking Andre Arlovsky, okay? So my boy, my boy Ray, (laughs) my boy Ray goes to Hawaii and, you know, we text. He says, oh, it's so beautiful here, man. Everybody's treating me so nice. Everything's great. And then he went in there and he almost went the distance. But, man, Andre just (laughs) beat him up pretty good the whole time. But I I, I definitely uh, remember him saying uh, what a a fantastic promotion that it was. And this is a long time ago. This is way before Max or Lee Malay or even BJ this night. I remember you know. hearing about that the radios and stuff, Rumble on the Rock, and you had Icon, and yeah. Oh, yeah, 
So I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. I'm really glad. Like, like I just said, the, the point of me bringing that story up is that you're right. It has been there. I mean, I remember watching YouTube videos of Cabbage Carrera fighting over there back in the mid-2000s. And so right. you're right. There's, there's right. always been talent there. But maybe now it's starting to get a little bit more shine. And then hopefully after the... Uh, after the pandemic is over, we can start getting more local shows yeah. there and then get to yes. try and show, show some more up and coming talent that uh, yes. the beautiful islands absolutely have. So, all right. So moving away from MMA, what are some things that Fearless Monica likes to do away from the gym, away from fighting? When it's time just to have fun or just to hang out, what are some things that you like to do? Oh my gosh, I'm so boring. I just like to chill. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kind of like one of those people that goes with the flu, you know, just chill with friends, uh, you know, cruise, eat dinner, whatever. I'm kind of, I mean, when I was younger, I'd probably tell you like, you know, party and, you know, go dance. I still like to dance, you know, but like, you know, I don't really do nightclubs anymore or any of that stuff. Even before the pandemic, I never, you know, done that. So now it's just kind of like, oh, just chill, chill with sure. good. Um, and uh, I don't know, I I haven't done this in a while, but I should. Like, I used to watch a lot of fights on my manager on Jason. You know, you know Jason, right? I do know manager. Jason. Yes. Yeah. So I watch a lot of fights on his UFC fight pass and just kind of study, study the you know my favorite fighters and stuff and pick up things from them and and then i'll get like text messages from him were you watching my fight pass <laughs> i was wondering he because he always like peeks to see like what i watch and stuff like that but you know it's normally things like that or bother him text messages <laughs> <laughs> so that that's actually good that actually that's going to replace uh well the question i had about music that's going to replace that i want to know who are some of your favorite fighters that you like to watch or have liked to watch over the years? I'm going to replace my question with that question. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I love Dominic Cruz, one of my favorites of all time. I just, I love his, like you talk about his fight IQ. Um, I, I like his, his awkwardness and how he fights and I try and like learn things from him. I love TJ Dillashaw is another one, and they're both I uh they're both ambidextrous fighters. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, but I can fight both ways as well. So I try and like look at the little details that they do with their footwork, how they do they they do such a good job of like mixing it up, you know, with striking and wrestling and just the scrambles that they initiate sometimes and. Um, I'm a huge, I've always been a huge fan of Rose ever since she was in Invicta and like, that's like one of my favorite fighters, you know, cause of her humility and her transparency with things as well. You know, she's just very open and honest about stuff. And so those are like my top favorites right there. Oh, I, I also like slowly started to, um, add in Tatiana Suarez as well because her wrestling oh, is just yeah. Really cool. <laughs> so, yeah Jason always do like this top 10 fighter thing and so like I remember one time we're like you know giving each other our list and then he's like oh um I put um, I put on my list you know oh yeah Tatiana Suarez he's like oh yeah I forgot about that I'm like how can you forget about that fucker like you should know like you know, but, <laughs> uh, many times on my show Monica I have referred to Tatiana as the female version of Habib because yes. her top control is so amazing. Her ground and pound, her hip strength, uh, plus everything yeah. that she's had to overcome. I love Tatiana yeah, Suarez. She's, she's in my top yes. three. Yes, yes, yes. Her story too as well. So 
you know, I mean, that too. And I got to show my girl, Andrea Lee, in there. She's a super cool girl. You know, I've gotten to train with her when she came down to Hawaii, like super humble girl. And I mean, I have to throw her in there. Getting back to number, we're in question number nine already. We're flying through. So the, the, the some of the things that I've seen on, on television and my parents have been in Hawaii several times are, are some of the local cuisines, right? So the my friend who actually uh, who lives in Hawaii now, I asked I asked her what were her three favorites. Just you know what she gets around, and she said poke is is one yes. of them. Okay, uh, the, said it perfectly. The, awesome. Okay. <laughs> the uh, loco moco, which is hamburgers and rice essentially in a, in a plate yes. with mac potato mac salad, and then Hawaiian shave ice was the okay. third thing that she said. Those are, those are her three favorite things that she gets. And she said she gets, uh, I think it's le- le- leche or leche. Uh, it's a fruit oh, no, over uh, there of flavor. Lychee? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. So uh, amongst those or any other, what is your most favorite thing to eat? You don't have to cut weight. You don't have to worry about none of that. You get to just indulge and have whatever you want. What are you going for uh, as far as local, um, amazing Hawaiian cuisine? Oh, Hawaiian, because I was going to say, because like, okay, so Hawaiian, just specifically Hawaiian foods, or are you talking? I think, I think I was originally going to go with Hawaiian foods, but I think you've got something else on your mind that supersedes (laughs) those that you want to say. So you tell me your favorite things. Yes. I love Japanese. I love sushi. Jason's favorite. (laughs) (laughs) But I do love Japanese food. That's one of my favorites. So like anything like, you know, from sushis to... Uh, uh, shrimp tempura, you know, all that stuff. So Japanese is definitely one. Uh, I do like um, pipikala, which is this Hawaiian, like dried, dried out, but super, super ono, super ono steak that you eat. So it's called pipikala. That one is really good. Yeah, they and, uh, they they hang it. Yeah, they, right. They they dip it in like a soy sauce and then they hang it up and let it kind of dry out, right? Yes, that is correct. Yes, yes. that is a one. Yep. So pipicala, and oh man, so many. But um, if I had to like think here, Japanese, Chinese, uh, I like Indian food too. So <laughs> <laughs> you're across the board. Yeah, yeah. You know, a little culture in my life. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> wait, uh, wait, the... wait, go ahead. Greek in replacement of that, because lamb is super bomb. So. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's where you and I, there's where you and I meet at a crossroads, and we disagree. I do not. I'm not a lamb guy at all. <laughs> what is? <laughs> but at um, at this couple Greek restaurants that I went to, like they prep it really well. Okay. Oh, well, hey, I know I'm the weirdo because most people love it. I just I've never developed a taste for it. What's the What's the dish where they put um? Where they put pork and fish, it, lau lau? Is that what it's called? I'm actually eating that as we speak. Where I took oh, a break. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's actually really healthy because it's like, you know, lau lau is just the, the luau leaf. And then inside is just like, you know, some kind of meat. And you can put it with like, you can put it with fish. You can put it with pork. You can put like sweet potato lau lau too. So yeah, lau lau. I mean, See, look at that. I think I, I think I saw that on uh, 
uh, on Bizarre Foods or something like 10 years ago. And it just came to me. I'm like, God, that looked good. Whatever that yeah. was. I remember it was called Lala. Okay. So, Monica, because we want um, we want everybody to follow you, man. We want to get the hype train going. We want people to uh, get invested into Fearless Monica Franco and the rest of her career. So, in doing so, how can we follow you? Can you let the people know your social so we can check you out, follow your training, see when your next fights are announced, that kind of a thing, and kind of follow you along as fans? Sure. So my IG is fearless Mon- at Fearless Monica Franco. Franco, sorry, excuse me. And then um, I believe my Twitter is the same thing, at Fearless Monica Franco. I can verify uh, your Twitter for sure. That's exactly right. Yeah. And then the IG is the same thing. So those are my two social medias. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, we cannot wait to see wherever you end up for your next fight. We cannot wait to see you in the cage next time. We are absolutely going to follow your career. We are big fans over here at Combat Sports with Rhino. I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking your time to not only tell us your story about your fight career and how you got into it, but your favorite foods. Uh, you know, let us learn a little bit more about Hawaii, which I'm just so interested in. I know I'm a dork because I've never been there, so I just wanted to know everything about it. But uh, okay. I really, yeah, I really appreciate you taking the time and letting us know everything that's going on, Monica. We would love to have you on uh, after your next fight, whenever that is. Sure, sure. Yeah, not a problem. Great. Well, once again, thank you so much for joining us today, and we will absolutely talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Aloha. This is Fearless Monica Franco, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Man, I can't tell you how much fun it was to talk to Monica Franco, dude. She was so honest and forthcoming and really fun. I loved the... I loved the few, you know, uh, loved hearing about Hawaii. I've never been there. It was so cool to get to learn a little bit more about the food and uh, the way, you know, how she grew up. And uh, I think she's got really, really high ceiling as far as in the cage. And I can't wait to see Monica Franco do her fearless thing in a cage sometime soon. Awesome, awesome stuff. So thank you once again, Monica. All right, let's go ahead and get into our shout-out section. Thank you so much, everybody who participated in the forum today. Brat from over there in Stephen. RSP from up in Canada Way, my man Dave Fretz, the Einstein of Gravity Design, Kairos from the Shots Fired and his YouTube channel, Sin City Sarah, check out her YouTube channel if you feel like laughing and having a great time, my girl Gina, one of the best in the biz from the Wocast and Shots Fired Pods, my homie D. Kranz, my Canadian broski with the Moski, and then some other shout outs to my peeps in the Rhino Gang, APB, Angel, Lanta Brown, Shaylin. Mike Morgan, all the broskies of the MCCI, Ms. Fight Diva, both my dear Pamela's, Mr. B, Marquise from Weeks House Radio, the big homie Jim Asoon, the homies at Unmatched Pod, Ryan, the Mixed Man, Chelsea Delilah from the TKO Pod, Ashley the MMA Nerd, and my girl, Lionheart, Jillian DeCourcy. Thank you guys all so much for being such great supports week in and week out. Couldn't do it without you. Of course, to Drea, we hope you are getting better soon, my friend. D Reigns, the best engineer in the biz. Undefeated D Reigns. And then my homie Dave Fretz, thank you so much for all your help. Your fire poster was sick again this week. So let's all be kind to one another, you guys. I know things are shitty right now, but I think we see a light at the end of the tunnel. Let's stay kind. Let's stay supportive of one another. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week. Cage side!